Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Let us pray. God, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. As we spend this time together with your word, illuminate our hearts and minds that we might draw closer to you. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Listen now for the word of God. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. One of my favorite things about this time of year has always been coming into church on the first Sunday of Advent. I love the lights and the greenery and the music. And as a kid, it felt like I waited all year long just to get to Christmas. But when I came to church and Christmas had come to church, well, I knew we were getting close. I especially loved the Advent wreath. And these four candles on the Advent wreath represent what? You know this. Hope. Love. Peace. Joy. Yes, one for each Sunday of Advent. And this year, while our readings at the Advent Wreath will focus on each of those themes, our sermon series, which begins today, focuses on joy, joy when you need it most. And this year, don't we all need a little more joy? And don't we all love coming into church even more than usual? This time last year, we weren't able to be in the sanctuary. We weren't able to gather around tables, either the communion table or the dinner table. And this first Sunday in Advent this year is extra special for me because it marks two years that I've been here at Village. Two years of mostly pandemic time, but two years in which you all have brought me joy. Even as I've sat with some of you in your deepest pain and grief and hopes and longings, you have been an inspiration and a joy. This church is a joy. In our scripture reading today, the Apostle Paul is writing about joy to a church in Philippi in ancient Greece because the Philippians 
Well, they weren't having such a joyful time. There were some difficulties. So Paul is writing to them from where he is in prison, and his letter becomes this tiny, short little book of the Bible, and that's where our scripture comes from, Philippians 4. We're not clear what's going on among the Philippians. Paul doesn't give us a lot of details. There's some kind of discord or arguing. But he does give some advice to them, which is wisdom for the ages, wisdom for us today. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Let your gentleness be known. The Lord is near. Don't worry, but pray instead, and God's peace will be with you. Paul is encouraging them, helping them take the high road to come out of their troubles and see the bigger picture. He wants them to touch joy and gentleness and prayer. He says if they set their minds on these things, God's peace will come to them, and it will be a peace that surpasses all understanding. Now, when I went to Presbyterian summer camp in my youth, we sang a little song about this scripture. Maybe you know it too. Uh, You can sing it along with me. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Lovely. It is a bright little tune, and it often got stuck in my head. And what I realized is that sometimes when I was feeling down, if I just sang this little song, I would feel a bit better. Of course, a peppy little camp song doesn't solve anything. Sometimes life is just way too hard. There are things in life that can shake us at our foundations, and joy can seem nowhere to be found. And this is where I've had to do some reckoning with Paul. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Always? Really? Come on, Paul, that's not realistic. Don't tell me to rejoice when the world is falling apart. But as I've grown in my faith, I've come to believe that there is always a reason for joy. Sometimes we have to look for it, and sometimes we have to choose joy. But joy can always be found, I believe, in some form or another. Now, I'm not talking about the big joys of life, like falling in love or adopting a baby, the obvious stuff. I'm not even talking about how joy shows up in little everyday ways. Like a week ago, a friend of mine was getting ready to be on vacation for the whole week of Thanksgiving. And when she completed her last task at the office and she put on her away message, you know, the one that says, Sorry, I missed you. I'll be back in 10 days. She described that as sheer joy, which it is. What I'm talking about, though, are the times in life when we feel so mired in our difficulties, so desperate or despairing. The joy seems to have completely vacated the premises. 
It's in these times that we may need to open ourselves a little, to take in even the smallest joys that might come, or sometimes even to make a conscious decision to choose joy. In the TV show, Ted Lasso, there's a character named Danny Rojas. Danny's a soccer player from Mexico, and he comes to England to play for a professional team. And of course, in England, soccer is football. And in Spanish, which is Danny's first language, football is football. Danny is a joyful soul and easily one of my favorite characters. And he has this mantra, football is life. And he says it all the time. For Danny Rojas, football is life. Football is joy. Well, one day something tragic happens. Danny's in the middle of a really important match and he goes to score a goal except the team's mascot, a greyhound named Earl, is over on the sidelines, and a pigeon flies onto the field. Earl gets away from his handler, runs onto the field to get the pigeon, and gets hit by the ball Danny has just kicked. And right there, in front of a stadium full of people, Earl doesn't make it. As you can imagine, Danny, this star player, is traumatized with guilt. He gets into a horrible rut, and he cannot play worth anything. His coaches are trying to help him. His teammates are trying to help him. Nothing can help him get his game back. So the coach calls in a therapist, Dr. Sharon, to work with Danny. And after just one session with Dr. Sharon, everything changes. Let's watch a clip from the show. She's incredible. No problem, Danny. Just glad you're feeling better. Uh, yeah, but hold, hold on a second. Um, I'm just curious. What did she die? Yeah, I mean, what ended up helping? Dr. Sharon had me remember that even though football is life, football is also death. And that football is football, too. But mostly that football is life. Football is life. Football is also death. Sometimes football is just football. But mostly, football is life. 
Danny comes to a new understanding and he makes a choice for joy. He chooses to see football as life instead of death. Another thing I've come to believe about joy, and we have Tom R. to thank for this language in his new book, is that even on our worst days, even if we're not choosing joy, joy has a way of finding us, if only we're open to it. And I believe that when we're open to it, that little bit of joy can make all the difference. Sixteen years ago, my father died of leukemia, and it was three days before Thanksgiving. In a week when he should have been brining a turkey, and my mom should have been making her famous cornbread dressing, and I should have been sitting with my grandmother snapping green beans, instead we spent those days working with a funeral home, and writing an obituary, and meeting with a pastor to plan a funeral. I don't recall that Thanksgiving as a joyful one. But when I look back, joy was there in the tiniest of moments. We all hugged each other a little tighter. My mom's colleagues organized a huge Thanksgiving meal, which they left at our front door. And our friend Grace showed up with a big bottle of wine and said, you're busy and you don't need me to stay, but I thought you could use this. My dad wanted to be buried, not cremated, so God bless the pastor, musicians, and church folks just like you who showed up and made a funeral happen the day after Thanksgiving and surrounded us with love. But I tell you, The ultimate joy came in the quiet moments when through the tears we gave thanks to God that my father was no longer suffering from leukemia, that he was free of pain and a body that no longer served him. We gave thanks to God that he had found eternal peace and everlasting rest, the joy of heaven and reunion with his parents and my cousin Lee and the saints who've gone before. Those moments were moments of joy. And it was there in the wake of my father's death that I learned to do as Paul says, to count my blessings, to recognize the good that does show up, and to rejoice in the Lord. I think like Tom talks about joy in his new book, and as he talked about love a few weeks ago, that love isn't something only we feel, but it's something we do. I think joy is a lot like that too. It isn't only something we feel, it's something we do. It's something we can find if we're open to it, and sometimes it's even something we can choose. Each year, this church delivers several hundred poinsettias to homebound church members who can't make it to church. And each year, we get calls and phone calls thanking us, thanking you. People thank us for the poinsettias, yes, but mostly they thank us for bringing Christmas joy into their homes. Some aren't physically able to decorate for Christmas or don't have family nearby to decorate for them. 
And this one pot of flowers from the church may be their only Christmas decoration. But you know what we also hear from the folks who do the delivering of these flowers? is that taking the poinsettias brings them Christmas joy. It's a simple act of kindness to purchase one of these flowers in memory of someone or to share your time in dropping it by someone's home or nursing home. It's a simple way to choose joy, and it's a reminder that we can choose joy every day. So friends, believe this good news that if nothing else gives us reason to rejoice in this world, our faith and our connectedness to each other gives us reason to rejoice. Paul is on to something when he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord because God loves you. Rejoice in the Lord because you can pray instead of worry. Rejoice in the Lord for the blessings we do have. Rejoice in the Lord that we have the ability, like Danny Rojas, to choose joy. Rejoice in the Lord because this church family is with you wherever you are. Rejoice in the Lord always because God saw fit to come to this earth and dwell among us as a baby in a manger. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.